De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today, we're going to be talking about how to scale marketing operations successfully. Joining us is Andrew Davies, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Paddle, which is the complete payments tax and subscription solution for SaaS. And today, Andrew and I are gonna be talking about scaling marketing teams the right way, okay? Here's my conversation with Andrew Davies, the Chief Marketing Officer at Paddle. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Doug, thanks for having me on. Well, it's a good topic, and I have to say, any fellow CMO who has been in a growth organization has gone through this pain, right? And, And the pain of hiring and scaling, and in some cases, it's trailing revenue, but in most cases, it's leading revenue. So there's the added stress of hiring before the pipeline, the revenue's there. So, Andrew, how do you think about the tipping point for scaling? When is it that you're beginning to think as a leader, I've really got to be ahead of this curve? Yeah, so you know, you've already pointed out there that different companies do this in different ways. And so first thing, I don't think there's one single playbook. This depends on the capital availability, the size of the market, the type of deals you're going after. All of those play into it. I think... The most fundamental thing that I've learned by costly experience rather than wisdom up front is about scaling from the top of the funnel down, not by rolling the Excel rows to the right. We've all been in a situation where you know there's a big sales target to hit. We build a model that says, therefore, we've got to create this much demand, this many leads, and we run a nice little Excel formula, copy it to the right, and therefore say, we've just got to create 492,000 MQLs next month in order to hit our target. And we've got to hire X number of BDRs, we've got to hire X number of sales reps. And I think scaling teams by that type of math often ends in very tricky situations. And I've been in the painful situation of hiring reps that we didn't have a market to support. I've been in the situation of hiring reps before we had demand to support. And so when I think about hiring from the top of the funnel down, what I'm meaning is, I think it's important to make the investment in generating pipeline before you've got people working that pipeline into meetings. And then, you know, getting those BDRs working that pipeline into meetings before you're hiring the sales reps that are actually closing those meetings. If you can do that from the top down, it's more rational. It might not be pleasing to many aggressive boards who want to go faster. But what it does mean is that everybody's calendar is full from the moment they join, rather than having lots of expensive, lower funnel assets, sales reps, BDRs, and other other, other forms of resources, sales enablement, et cetera, who are working, you know, empty calendars because there's no demand. So we've all been there. Right. We've all been there, Andrew. It is the manifestation I see quite a bit is hiring salespeople before the pipeline's there. Right. I think that's fairly typical. Right. You're talking about can we drive more activity at the top of the funnel that leads to more revenue at the bottom of the funnel? I just skipped to my next question already, Andrew. My God. And so here it is. 
Talk to me about efficiency and efficiency measures before you start thinking about hiring from the top of the bottom of the funnel. In other words, as a marketing leader, are you looking at the efficiency of your funnel? Let's say that at the bottom of the funnel, the close rate is ridiculous. It's 30% and I can just ignore it. Or are you in a situation where you're looking at the bottom of the funnel going, I need to throw, let's say, product marketing or enablement resources at the bottom of the funnel before I start addressing the top. Is that a factor for you when you think about scale? Absolutely. And I think you're always looking at this from the top down and the bottom up. I think you've got to keep tweaking which parts of the engine not only need the most attention, but are the most movable. Like it's super hard to move a close rate from 20% to 40% when you're in that deal. And actually, probably there's a huge amount that can be done by working on the top of the funnel in terms of creating, understanding the market, getting more customer insight, producing the right type of demand before you ever get to tweaking the, the, the actual sales conversion and maybe the sales message or sales journey. So I think you have to keep looking at it from both ways. I do think also that as you go through stages of growth, different disciplines within marketing get you know stronger or weaker. So the way I like to think about the marketing mix and the marketing team is really in three concentric circles. In the middle, you've got product marketing, who have to deeply understand the product truth, deeply understand customer insights, deeply understand you know what, what we're seeing in the sales experience. And then around that, we build our demand team, who are then converting that you know core assets and core insight into messages that meet a target market. And then around that, as we scale, we build, build brand marketing. And we're talking in a B2B context here. I think that often comes third where now actually we want to build a wider audience because we deeply understand our product value and how it meets market. We deeply understand how to repeatedly create demand. And now we can focus on a brand play where it is about exploding that top of funnel and we can do that a bit more predictably. So that's the other lens I I guess I look at in terms of building those, those competencies in the market team as you grow. I think it's fun. I have to say, I'm trying to find a way to disagree with you here on this, Andrew, but I think it makes a ton of sense. And I would say that if we dig a bit further, I think we're going to say is you're not scaling from the top of the funnel down in a linear way. You're adding to the top of funnel in terms of people, brand awareness, content, content strategy. You're seeing what the effects are, and then you're maybe modulating as you go down. In other words, you talked about product marketing and their kind of centerpiece of your organization overall, but you might find that, in fact, they're high functioning and you can just add more and more. Then you hit the point of diminishing returns pretty quickly because the product marketing team is overwhelmed. I'm going to skip over to SDRs as we call them in the United States, sales development reps, maybe business development reps. How do they play into this formula to you? And do you generally consider them to be a part of that funnel, whether they report to marketing or not? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, the BDR team or the SDR team is the pivot point in this entire pipeline generation process. I think they have a a thankless task. I think they have an extremely interesting career prospect ahead of them if they're able to do well. And, you know, I've been fortunate to see BDRs come in, SDRs come in with zero experience into my orgs and then get promoted, not just into account exec roles, but into product marketing, into field marketing, into all kinds of other areas. And I I love having people in other areas of marketing that have come through the meeting generation kind of tussle, which is a hard role to be in. So I love the SDR function. And for me, it's always sat within marketing because I love the whole marketing function to know that their work has to end up with a a meeting with a quality target account, with a quality decision maker. And that's the end point, really, of all of the things we're doing. We can't just sit in storytelling land if it's not resulting in an increase in those kind of quality meetings. So love the SDR function. And when I think about building that, again, this is one of those challenges of, of creating an Excel model and dragging it to the right, because there's a few constraints on that. Firstly, I think we often, you know, in less funded, perhaps European startups, there's a danger of, of maybe just hiring one 
in the first instance, which I think gives you so many false signals. It's unbelievable because if they're winning, you don't know if it's them or if it's you. If they're losing, you don't know if it's them or if it's you. So hiring in pairs, I think, is a normal tactic that we're seeing in the market and something I try to follow. Secondly, I really do like SDR and rep pairings, so SDR and sales pairings, normally more you know useful in the enterprise segments where you can fund that. But the ability to build that relationship, that pairing over time, I think really helps the career of a, of a business development rep, a sales development rep. And that's just a key part of their own learning journey, taking more of that sales conversation over time. And I think you know this function is one that it is only scalable to the size of market. And so everything from me comes back down to do we deeply understand our target customer segmentation? Because one of the biggest dangers with that Excel model is that you expand it you get over your skis because you expand it beyond your currently addressable or currently serviceable market. And so deeply understanding that helps you know how many cells you can you can drag right before you actually start, take stock and think about other product development or other market making you've got to do. And is there a point of diminishing returns that people should be aware of? I'm going to kind of rapid fire at you on this, Andrew. You ready for the rapid fire? Here you go. That's right. Okay. Where do you find the point of diminishing returns comes more quickly? Top of funnel, brand awareness and content? Or the SDR organization? In other words, the question is, where do you find yourself recognizing very quickly that the next new hire is not going to produce as much as the prior hire, no alliteration intended? I guess I would think about it slightly differently in that an easy answer to your question, rapid fire, I think less from the top of funnel. I think the BDR function, SDR function is much more predictable in how you can scale it. I just think they're slightly different models. If you're doing the proper, you know, if you've got a real proper top of funnel process, it's something that increments over time. And those those kind of those payoffs come over multiple quarters and multiple years, whereas your BDR function is much more you know, formulaic in how you build it. Yeah. And I think a better comparison probably would be the demand gen function and the SDR function. I think you're right. I think they're closer and I would say, I think what I'm really thinking about here is the personal experience of hitting those diminishing points of return. And I think you really nailed it, unfortunately, right out of the gate, which is it really depends on the size of the TAM. It really depends on, and then the, your ability to really access that TAM. So Sam, but I would also say what's interesting is that I feel like a lot of organizations fail to recognize the point of diminishing returns. And I see it most often with demand gen and with the SDR organization. And I think what we're learning here today is there's a reason for that. You need to think about starting at the top of the funnel. Yeah, you know, it's probably not going to be popular with the investors or the board simply because it's not going to have that direct ROI. But you know, as a leader over time, your efficiency at the bottom of the funnel increases and the likelihood that you're producing interest for your demand gen team to leverage is there. So we've got a pretty good rubric in our head. Any other tips for the audience today in terms of thinking about that first moment of scale? And I would love to hear what's that kind of line of sight for you where you go, that's the thing I need to be thinking about from a scale standpoint. Now I've got to be worried about scale. So I think constantly viewing the world of marketing through two time lenses is really important. So if we take those functions again, you know, the SDR, BDR function is a much more short-term pipeline building function. You can you know, put some resource on the ground and hopefully within six months, you are seeing actual pipeline being generated. Within some of those other functions, so you know, yes, maybe it's your, your top of funnel, your content plays, your brand plays, that increments over a longer period of time, like we said, but it's essential for building an audience, a pool to fish out of a year or two out. And so one of the ways I 
like to think about this is to make sure that my resource, my team's resource are being measured and being thought about in those two timeframes. Because one of the dangers is you become incredibly short-termist and focus all of your resource investment hiring on that you know, BDR, SDR function and immediate demand gen tactics. And if we split that marketing process into demand creation and demand capture, we get into a demand capture world and then you run out of market, you run out of town. And you know, I love some of the books that everyone's read here, like Jeffrey Moore's Crossing the Chasm, thinking about, you know, it's an overly military context, right? But a, a metaphor, but you know, thinking about that beachhead, thinking about that region, thinking about that country, thinking about that continent, and making sure that your brand play and your and even your product marketing is thinking about those next steps of where you'll go, whilst you're also managing that you've got quality territory assignments for the BDRs and the, the parents you're hiring right now. And talk to me about the DG team's ability to scale. And I'm going to now rapid fire again, Andrew, although you've seen I'm probably not that rapid fire. First thing is scale in terms of digital, because the people sometime are a lot easier than it is to actually scale the digital footprint. Talk to me about that. So by digital footprint, are you meaning kind of the web experience or the advertising piece? Well, you brought it up out of the gate, which is to say that scale is really determined by Tam and Sam. So how much market can I get my hands on? And quite often with demand gen, and especially considering the pandemic, so much of what we're talking about when it comes to lead gen and demand gen is digital at the end of the day. And so you have your own points of diminishing return that occur there. So at that point, it's not always about scaling in terms of hire. Quite often, it's scaling in terms of your ability to actually reach the audience via, say, search. Yeah. So... One of the things that I found in a couple of businesses I've walked into is people have reached that moment of diminishing returns because they have had a too narrow tactic mix. And so that's where I think the demand gen team has got a responsibility to always make sure there's a portion of their time resource budget that's allocated in finding the next ceiling, finding the next tactic, finding the next channel, finding the next engagement strategy that's going to give us lift beyond where we are right now. And so even within the demand gen function, which again could be a little bit short-termist, it's about making sure we're making some better that are outside of the things we're doing right now. So, you know, a paddle as an example, this company has scaled, you know, very, very fast over the last four or five years on a pretty simple tactic mix. You know, very you know, personalized outbound cadences within the BDR function, a bit of event work. And you know, our job now is to build out partnerships and to build out good field marketing and to build out analyst relations, to build out these other elements of a quality marketing function, which really are not going to pay dividends for six, nine, 12, maybe even 18 months. But they're an essential piece of finding a new ceiling for our business and for our pipeline generation. I've learned a lot. Andrew, I really appreciate the time. I think we've got some great tips in here for folks thinking about scaling. I'm going to wrap things up with one final question for you. And you mentioned it early on, which was the role of SDRs and BDRs. It sounds like an amazing recruiting and talent machine for you. You talked about folks not actually migrating over to, to AE roles, but what was really interesting, they're finding their way into marketing roles. Where are they typically landing for you where they're most useful and have the most upside in marketing? I'll give you two examples from my organization right now. And these are SDRs that I had in a prior organization that I brought into this organization in a different role, but they'd already made that move within the prior org. Our customer marketing manager, Natasha, she was an SDR and then moved into field marketing in my prior business. She then did field marketing somewhere else and we brought her in as customer marketing manager. And she's doing a fantastic job of blending the hustle and the push and the persuasion of an SDR with a real care and empathy for the customer. Another example would be Tarshan, who was an SDR in my previous business, then went into actually the product marketing function as a go-to-market strategy manager. And that's the role he plays for us now. And so 
it's great. He is coming from a quota-carrying SDR, BDR background, but his role now is the glue between the sales and marketing organizations thinking about these questions like TAM and serviceable market and thinking about sales plays and how we line up our content assets against what the sales reps need. So those would be two examples of non-traditional promotions, which I think are really bearing fruit. I think some of the better marketing folks I have had in my career on my teams have been people that have been BDR slash SDRs. I couldn't agree more. And, and I think that they understand just how difficult it is to create demand. They understand just how hard it is to have that conversation. So they tend to approach marketing with a lot of empathy. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Andrew Davies, Chief Marketing Officer at Paddle for joining us in part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow. Andrew and I are going to discuss the importance of the strategic narrative. You can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Andrew. You can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him directly on Twitter, where his handle is at A-N-D-J Davies, or visit his company website at paddle.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is MarketAdvocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed the next business day. Okay, that wraps it up for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself. 